Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'll tell you exactly where we are, Marvin. We are comfortably couched in the cozy den of Martin Mayer, creative solutionist. That is the type of world that we live in now. Everybody needs to be at least a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, because if you're just the corkscrew in the Swiss Army knife, then you're really only good for opening that bottle of wine. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Are there things that I can do by myself? Absolutely. Are there things that I need to surround myself with other people? Absolutely. That doesn't make me any weaker or not strong in terms of my ability. If anything, it lifts that up into creating a product that is above expectations. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everybody. It's Marvin Polis, your host for Monetizing Your Creativity. And joining me, as always, is Fred Keating, your co-host. We are, well, why don't you tell us where we are, Fred? I'll tell you exactly where we are, Marvin. We are comfortably couched in the cozy den of Martin Mayer, creative solutionist, or chief catalyst, as he often puts it, because he's the guy that initiates the change in just about every room he enters. Martin is a musician. He's also a creative designer. And we want to talk to him today about that ongoing argument about the specialist versus the generalist. Is it possible to be a jack of all trades and master of some as opposed to none? This man is a Swiss army knife. There's an image for you. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, thanks for having me. Tell us please, a little bit about your own backstory. Now, I know it started in music, but give us an indication of how you came from where you were to where you are. I got, uh, I got into uh, studying classical piano when I was 11 years old. Went through about three grades uh, within two years. My piano teacher just saw that I had a drive and a certain ambition to, uh, to get to a certain level. And uh, after a couple of years of classical music and practicing scales, discovered pop and jazz and rock and roll and uh, the music of um, Elton John and Billy Joel and John Tesh and the likes. And um, from there, started playing in my dad's Top 40 dance band. From there, went to uh, Grant McEwen uh, University uh, to study composition and piano performance. And in the midst of all of that, reading and, and looking, going, okay, so if I want to have a career in this, and if I want to get somewhere beyond just playing here, you know, what's involved? And so this is, you know, this takes us back to, you know, 1996, uh, 97, which is, you know, when I think about it, it's absurd that it's 20 years ago that, that we're talking about uh, this this starting for me. Reading magazines were, the, the tips and the tricks would really be, if you want somebody to pay attention to you, uh, if you have a demo, it's not going to be any good to you if it's sitting at home. If nobody's hearing it, you know, it's it's not going to make a lick of difference. And so for me, I had for, for a couple of years been writing songs and writing pieces and gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I need to do something that is going to make some sort of a splash and that is going to make some sort of a entrance, if you will, to, to my career so that I can build it from somewhere. Went to the bank and I said, look, I need $35,000 to put together this debut concert with an orchestra, with a camera crew and all this sort of stuff and, and get it to that sort of... My hope at the time was to get it to that sort of level where PBS could air it. 
Little did I realize at the time that I would need a couple of zeros after those 35,000 in order for that to work. What was really interesting about it is that I went into it with no idea how I was going to pay it back. My mother co-signed the loan. I went and did the show. Two days after, I was like, okay, great. The show was fantastic. You know, six months of prep and production flies by really quick. And then uh, the CD was released. And a year later, I get this really interesting email that really, when I look at it, makes the difference between I could have easily deleted it and my life would have been different. But I decided to reply to it. And it was from an agency in China that had reached out and said, we've been to your website, we've heard your music. We'd like to invite you on a 16-city, six-week concert tour. And I looked at this and I went, okay, this sounds like something, like those emails that you get, dear beneficiary, you know, there's a million dollars, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I looked at it and went, okay, do I reply to this? Do I do I delete it? And I think back on the choice that I could have made of deleting it, and I have never gone through it. And I would have missed out on a, on a great opportunity to, to tour China, to um, play in these massive concert halls, to be able to connect. You thought it might have been a scam. I don't know that I thought that it was a scam as much as I thought it was, this sounds too good to be true. I'm uh, 20 years old. I just did my own uh, show how can somebody that has never met me in a country that has never played me, you know, be offering me something like this? I mean, my my dad's career in the music industry in the Czech Republic was very much within that generation where if you didn't hear it on the radio and you didn't see it on TV and you didn't see the record in the store, nobody was going to buy it. Fast forward to, you know, 2000 and all of a sudden I'm going, okay, I'm going to this country that has never seen me, never heard me. And it was absolutely insane. There were there were places where I would get mobbed for autographs. I would have people in hotels uh, selling my uh, room contact information, you know, for fans that you know wanted to to meet me. And it was just an amazing experience. And Martin, I recall back then that not only were you playing live, but you were you were playing on national television and and actually international television throughout Asia. And your your audience was over a billion people. It's startling when I, I mean, just the concept of trying to see what a sea of that many people looks like that are seeing me and hearing my music is just, it's insane. But I look at it as, okay, so that splash that I wanted to make didn't make enough of a splash in Canada, but somebody noticed it in a pond much bigger. I think really this story from that is, is that you go down a certain path and you might have... Uh, the vision of what that brings, but somewhere that path is going to curve a little bit differently. And it's up to you whether you're going to take that uh, that change or not. That's a great story about how you launched your music career. And I think we actually want to do a very specific episode about music. So we'll get back to that. Tell us about your other creative talents and how did all of that get launched? The simplest answer to that was when I was starting this venture into music and uh, needing to have posters and, and CDs and all of this sort of stuff, I wasn't in a position to be able to hire professionals to do it. And so at the time that I was at uh, Grant McHugh and I sat down to a Mac and opened up Photoshop and started playing with designs and design concepts and emulating some of the ideas and styles that, that I had seen, that then went into, you know, my dad wanted a poster for uh, for his band a vocalist in there wanted something for her CD and it just sort of grew from there by sort of word of mouth into something that is 
a close passion of mine. You know, in the 15 years that I've had this business, uh, working in various industries of hospitality, finance, tourism, furniture, creation, uh, real estate is huge. I don't like my website. It's not working. It doesn't look good. It doesn't, it doesn't have that sort of user experience. So it grew from me needing a poster and not being able to pay for it to uh, something that uh, is, is really great and allows me to do that to supplement my income for the, uh, for the music side. Is there a connection between the skill sets you use as a creative designer and those you employed as a musician, performer, and composer, or are they in any way separated? Well, they both use the same part of the brain. I don't know if that that sort of answers your question. Um, I don't know if there is any sort of a connection as much as there is my connection with perfection. Uh, if I'm writing a song or if I'm writing, you know, creating a soundtrack or something like that, the mix has to be right. The 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 feel of the orchestrations has to sound right. Uh, similarly, with uh, with design, uh, you know, if we go back to the 2000s, there was all of this sort of stuff that had, you know, you had lens flares and you had metallic looks to everything, and you had websites that were flashing "open now, open now," right, uh, with the little gifs uh, underneath. Now everything is so much cleaner. It's more streamlined. Everything has geared sort of towards that Apple look of like, here's the product, here's the write up. It's very simplistic. And so I think for me, um, I think that polish and the perfectionism sort of goes back and forth in between. The other one is that I can get stuck in either industry of having a block, having a writer's block or having a design block. And um, most of the time, it's the same process that I use to get out of both of them. And that is? Uh, Getting into the kitchen and cooking. I love to cook. Uh, nothing quite like opening up the fridge and going, okay, I've got these ingredients. Uh, what am I going to make with it? Now, you mentioned that these uh, talents come out of the same side of the brain, but I mean, you also write code. So you're thinking out of your left brain and your right brain. Well, code, yes, to a certain extent, but I leave all of the huge coding to the professionals. I mean, I know enough about code to, to get by. And when we talk about the Swiss Army knife, you need to know at least a little bit about everything you know, in the creative aspect of, uh, of music, there's not just the writing, there's also the arranging, the orchestration, the recording, the production, the engineering. We now live in an age where you don't need to go into a professional recording studio to have a professional recording. Technology has, has made that vastly easier. And so it's important to be able to take a song, not just take a song and write it, but to take it to the finished product, because chances are there's not going to be anybody else out there that is going to put money towards that in order to do it. On the creative side of it, yes, creative design, branding, web, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, if somebody says, we need content, you still need to be able to be in a position where you can write something that is succinct, uh, set up social media accounts and all that sort of stuff. And if, at the very least, if it's not something that is your strength, then do what I like to do, which is surround myself with people that are better at things than I am. So part of what I think I hear you saying is that understand that demarcation point where, okay, up to here, I'm the right person for the job. But beyond this point, I really need to get somebody who has better skills than I do. It's, it's totally that. There's nothing worse than finding yourself in a situation where you are requested to do something and you don't have the knowledge or the skill set to do that. And find yourself alone in a situation where 
you can't call on somebody. I mean, if we look at some of the some of the biggest successes in the world, I mean, you know, Steve Jobs couldn't have done what he did at Apple without the amazing minds of engineers and and coders and and whatnot. So, similarly to me, I mean, I can't imagine what the amount of work that it took for the agents in China to, you know, promote the hell out of me to the point where. A television show that is broadcast to a billion people says, yeah, we're going to have this guy on there. I don't know how that works, but they do. That's their strength. So it's okay to be that person that has the lead talent, but you got to be able to call on other people. I guess what I hear you saying is that no one of us is as smart as all of us. Or as Marvin often puts it, these activities, these creative activities that we are exploring, it's a team sport. Absolutely. When was the last time that you went to a movie and the credits were three people deep i mean they they roll on for for minutes and there's a reason for that is because everybody has a certain skill set that they lend to whatever project there is are there things that i can do by myself absolutely are there things that i need to surround myself with other people absolutely that doesn't make me any weaker or not strong in terms of my ability if anything it lifts that up into creating a product that is most of the time above expectations from what a client might want or in a case sometimes in you know I might have a vision and what we create is beyond that and I love that more than anything at the same time there are people who come from the school of thought that say really you should specialize you know maybe you want to be a writer maybe you want to be a producer maybe you want to be a director a cinematographer a musician and maybe you have some talents in these areas but Come on, pick one, get really good at it. But that's not necessarily your train of thought. We don't live in that world anymore is the simplest answer to that. Technology has changed anything and everything. I know friends who are in the TV industry that are watching uh, the earth shrink beneath them. I know people who have Peabody and Gemini Awards and all sorts of writing awards that are out of a job because print media is, is disappearing. You need to be in an environment and place yourself in an environment where, yes, it's it's fine to have, you know, if, if you're a graphic designer or a creative designer, you also need to be able to go and understand code or at least be able to design a website and get it to a point where you can say that you're a creative and web designer. Because if an agency is looking if they're looking for a creative designer, you can bet your bottom dollar that it's going to say you need to have at least HTML experience and you need to be able to write, you know, some sort of basic code because that is the type of world that we live in now. Everybody needs to be at least a little bit of a Swiss army knife because if you're just the corkscrew in the Swiss army knife, then you're really only good for opening that bottle of wine. But not just for people that are wanting to hire you in an actual uh, position, but for your business as well. I can't imagine saying to somebody, I can design your branding, but you have to go down to Joe down the street to build you a website when it's really should be the same thing in-house. It'd be a great way to lose a couple of clients, wouldn't it? The competition is a lot tighter. You need to be able to diversify. It's, it's no different than your investment banker saying, diversify your portfolio. You notice that they always say that. They never say, put your eggs in one basket. And that's, that's the biggest thing here. Don't put your eggs in one basket because the more that you can do, if something changes, like for me, the music industry changed and I needed to adapt or go teach. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. So I needed to adapt in order to go, okay, 
I still want to be working within music, but understanding that the industry and technology has changed enough that I need to be able to pull out the other parts of my Swiss Army knife in order to continue forward. What parts do you enjoy most? The process of getting from an idea to what the final product is. And most of the time when I start with an idea and I see what the end vision is, I like to exceed that. And when I exceed that and go past it, it's always great. There's nothing like writing a song and going, yeah, I can hear what the strings sound like. And then you get into the production and you, you write something else for it and go, okay, that's totally not what I expected, but so much better. It's great to be able to create stuff that people respond to, that people listen to. You know, there's trials and tribulations of... Uh, either industry. You get constant revision requests for the design industry. And you get people who don't like your certain style of music. Or they want, well, we want something more Justin Bieber. Okay. Then here's his manager's contact information, by all means. But that's not me. So it's, there's, there's the good and the bad, just like with anything in life. Again, I know that your career has been made up of, of, of large and small victories and triumphs. Have there been times when you considered giving up because of a particular event or individual uh, or adventure that you had that not only did not turn out the way you'd hoped, but in fact was in some sense a a major setback either to the work or, or to yourself personally? Absolutely. It's always hard to share those types of stories because you, you never want to feel uh, like you want to be in a position to show vulnerability. But it's important, I think, for your listeners and your audience to understand that either industry, whether it's music or whether it's creative, it's a lot of hard work. And I spent probably a good number of years from about uh, 2012 going forward working with a certain kind of clientele that uh, demanded things that were always just beyond the scope of expectations, always sort of pushing the boundaries. And for me, as the perfectionist, I, I would always say, okay, well, it's just a little bit past beyond that. The problem that I ran into was that, and I didn't notice it at the time, was that each time that I said yes and each time that I pushed that boundary, I was slowly running myself into the ground. And what ended up happening was that I had a, I ended up having a client that really you could have sold them the moon and they would say, well, where's the galaxy? Or you would sell them the galaxy and they would say, okay, well, where's the universe? Nothing was working, nothing was good enough and it was nine months of absolute uh, torture that ended with me having to fire the client because I said, look, you know, there's, there's a difference between being business and professional, but, you know, whether I'm employed by you as an actual employee or the relationship that we have now, there is no way ever that I will accept any sort of phone call where you're, you know, sending profanity my way about something that, that isn't an issue. And that is an issue that is created by that person. And so the combination of all of that together with just not listening to my body and going, not now, not now, not now, landed me in the hospital, um, hooked up to two machines with doctors trying to figure out whether I was going to uh, make it or not. And I spent the past year and a half getting back into the swing of things. And the lesson that I learned from that is one of two things. First of all, when your body is trying to tell you something, you have to listen. We live in a digital age where it's so easy for anybody to contact you at any time to request anything. We're expected to do things faster, cheaper, sooner, 
better. It's exhausting. It's, you know, the phone's going off or somebody's texting you or, you know, you're scrolling through the latest feed of uh, what's going on in Facebook. When you're so on the go, and I had um, I had a sort of mini burnout in the early 2000s after I went so gung-ho into, into, the, into the music career. I mean, six weeks and a 16-city concert tour in China, the airline travel, the not sleeping, the not eating right and all that sort of stuff. Business is great, and building creativity and monetizing that creativity is all great, but not at the expense of your health and not at the expense of any sort of uh, enjoyment that uh, that you might have. Very poignant thoughts, Martin. And we probably need to wrap up at this point, but certainly you are a very deep well of knowledge. So would you be okay with uh, joining us for one or two more episodes? And, and maybe we'll talk about some of the specifics about music and some other things. Absolutely. I'd love that. That's why my doormat says, oh no, not you again, so that we can welcome you back with open arms. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.